What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast could be sponsored by you, yes, you, the listener, through the podcast Patreon page that you can find by clicking the link in this episode's description. However, if supporting the podcast financially is not a possibility, that's totally fine too, especially if you are an Apple Podcast or iTunes listener, because you can leave the show a rating and a review. It's important with the way iTunes works, helps other people find the show, and helps the show continue to grow. So please leave a rating and review. Um, there's another option by Stitcher, which also allows you to do that. And uh, don't forget, there are other ways of listening to the show if you're not an Apple podcast or iTunes listener by heading on over to Google Play. Uh, like I said, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, and wherever else you get your podcast, the Chase Thomas podcast will be there. And lastly, I highly encourage you to check out my website at chasethomaspodcast.com to read me at Medium uh, and to follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and to go to the Facebook page at facebook.com slash Chase Thomas writer. Hopefully you're still with me because this is the end of me rambling. All right, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Monday night edition of the Chase Thomas podcast, and I am joined by I don't, uh, Jared. You write for everywhere. I was thinking about like how to introduce you on this podcast, <laughs> but you literally are all over the place. So I don't know really where to start, but I do know that your podcast that you just launched um, where you talk with different writers about things that it's not their day job is one of my favorite ideas. And I really enjoyed listening to that podcast. Favorite one was definitely the Simpsons episode with Jonah Carey, but it's uh, been really good, but you're, you're all, you're all over the place is what I'm saying. Yeah, I am. Well, first of all, thank you for, for saying that you like the podcast. I really appreciate that. Um, I will note that it's not just writers that we've talked to on there. We talked to um, Nick Dika, who was a, a bass guitarist for the Arkells. Um, we actually talked to him about writing, um, so that was interesting. And uh, we talked to Brian Yang, who is uh, an actor and producer who produced uh, the Linsanity documentary. He was on uh, Hawaii Five O. He is a producer of a lot of his wife's films, including uh, I Can, I Will, I Did, which just made like the festival rounds and has done really well in a bunch of different film festivals. He's a really interesting person. I've known him for a while now. We talked to him about uh, multitasking in Hollywood and like Asian representation on film, which was a really good conversation, too. So it's like I said, it's not just writers, but a lot of the people just because of the circles that that Jordan White and I, who co-host the, the podcast with me, the circles that we travel in, obviously a lot of our connections happen to be writers. So the other podcasts are with writers, but I did want to note the, the two that we did that aren't. And then, you know, as far as introducing me goes, um, our mutual friend Ian Levy has taken to calling me prolific freelancer Jared Dubin, which I feel like okay. kind of works. <laughs> there you go because i think blake murphy is a freelance assassin i believe is the way he refers to himself so yeah that was taken but i like that and ian Lee is uh great um 
But yeah, like I, we should also mention that the name of the podcast is "That's Not My Job," mm-hmm. and you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Um, but yeah, man, like there is a, it's weird because there's nothing on, and we're recording this on a Monday night. There's no NBA games. There's nothing to watch really. There's no real sports on, honestly. If you really want to watch the Olympics, but I'm not a Winter Olympics person or Olympics person in general. I don't know if that's a hot take. Do you, have you watched any of it? Do you care? I have watched zero seconds of the Olympics. Oh, thank you. Um, thank you. I usually only watch the Summer Olympics, but even then, it's mostly like basketball and like some of the swimming. I don't really watch much else. And then in the Winter Olympics, like I would watch hockey, but now none of the NHL players are playing, so like I don't care. So I just I haven't watched anything. I didn't even know that they were starting when they started. Like I've I've seen all of the, you know, hoopla on Twitter about whoever it is. Chloe Kim I think is the snowboarder, and then there was a figure skater guy whose name I can't remember, um, who like told off Mike Pence or something. Which I, th- I know what you're talking about, but I have no idea what his name is. And I fully support that. I don't remember his name, but I support him telling off Mike Pence. Um, and then Chloe Kim, I was super ready to be into heavily, but then she said she likes pineapple pizza on Twitter. So I'm out. Ooh, that's, that's not great. Yeah. Not a pineapple pizza person at all. Or sorry, Hawaiian pizza. Hawaiian pizza. Why is it called Hawaiian pizza? Why does that make it Hawaiian? I don't know. Who knows? Like, here's the thing. In my opinion, there should only be two kinds of pizza. There should be regular pizza. And there should be what, chicken pizza. And that's wait, it. What is regular pizza? Like cheese pizza. Okay. You know, like no pepperoni. Plain slice. Or there should be chicken pizza. That's it. That's all you need. No pepperoni. I'm not a pepperoni guy. Oh, see. Now, I should have, we should have talked about this before. <laughs> we were talking about dogs before we started recording. And if I had known that you were an anti pepperoni person, I would have oh, yeah. considered recording tonight because that, that I can't allow, sir. Well, you know. There are chicken some pe- pizza? I don't think I've ever had chicken on a pizza. You've never had like um, chicken parm slice or buffalo chicken slice? No, no, Oh, no. man, dude. Or, where are you from? I am from Atlanta. Okay, so that might be – it might be like more of a, a northeast thing. Like it's definitely buffalo chicken pizza at like all the pizza places at home. Um, you know, I'm from central Jersey originally and then, you know, I've got a lot of friends that are from like you know north Jersey, Long Island from the city. Buffalo chicken pizza is huge up here. It's so good. Chicken parm pizza as well. Um, I'm, I'm partial to buffalo just because I like the way that it, uh, you know, offsets the, uh, I don't know. I just like it. Um, <laughs> you don't have to defend yourself, man. We all have our days. Yeah. Because my favorite, uh, this is really just, I don't, this might be the end of the podcast. This is what happens this. when games aren't on. You start talking this about is- nonsense like dogs and pizza. <laughs> exactly well it's not even nonsense i don't think that's nonsense because i i mean i love dogs and i love pizza and i think most people do so it's i think it's still a positive thing but i will say that if i like could have like a slice of pizza from anywhere i wanted right now and i think this is a general sentiment i have it would be from costco (laughs) what i love costco pizza probably more than any other pizza place i've ever had i could eat a slice of costco pizza every day of my life and never get tired of it I can't say that I've ever had Costco pizza, um, but just just to keep it circular, my answer to the same question would be the buffalo chicken slice from La Piazza on Merrick, Long Island. 
they're basically the same. Costco and whatever it was you just said, I think, um, are very, very close. Yeah. <laughs> no, La Piazza is so dope. Oh, my God. Uh, my grandparents. Uh, so Mer- this is inside baseball for all the Long Island listeners out there. Merrick and Belmore are two towns that are right next to each other that like share three high schools between them. One side of my grandparents is from Merrick. One side is from Belmore. Plus, I went to sleepaway camp with a bunch of people from Merrick and Belmore. So I've been to that pizza place probably like, I don't know, as many times as I've been to the pizza places in my hometown. So I love it. It's it's amazing. That's that's cool. Well, um, I think we should, even though there is no basketball on right now, we still don't have basketball until Thursday. I think we should jump into a couple of things. And there were a couple of things over this weekend. I didn't really watch any of the All-Star game or the All-Star weekend. I didn't even know who won the dunk contest until the day after. I I know we were just downplaying the whole Olympics and everything else. And I, I feel like I'm going very Buzz Killington over here. But I generally just don't care about the all-star game and it's cool that they try to make it matter more and people enjoyed it more. But like the funniest thing I think was the Fergie, uh, national anthem, which still cracks me up. Draymond's reaction. I think I will watch once a day for, uh, the foreseeable future because it was pretty funny, but I did feel bad. Cause did you see that reporter? She like just trying her best and tried out this new thing. And it's like, I, I did feel bad that she got torched the way she did, but yeah, look, here's I, the I thing about the national anthem. Don't try new things. Just sing it the way everybody else sings it. Like there's a reason that everybody sings it the same way. And that's because that's the only way that it sounds good. Because it's like it's a preposterous song that makes no sense in the context of sporting events. Like just sing it the way everyone else sings it. I That's that's fair. It's a bold move to try and put your own spin on the anthem, but she tried and it did not it did not go well. But you know what? I think she'll have the most memorable national anthem of any All-Star game ever. That's going to be hard to top. Um, I mean, there was the Marvin Gaye one, the clip going around over the weekend. Um, I think it was from before I was born, like 1983 or something like that. Um, so I don't remember seeing it live or anything, but apparently yeah. people still remember it. So I would imagine it's super good and probably more memorable than Fergie being terrible. Interesting. Well, only time will tell. So we'll reconvene 20 years from now on the podcast and we'll see if we still remember the Fergie <laughs> um, national anthem. But there were Paul, this, I mean, this was in Los Angeles and Paul George was playing in this game and Paul George obviously is a native of Los Angeles and he was showered with just all kinds of recognition of like, please come to LA and that can mean come to the Clippers, come to the Lakers do you think any of that really will matter come this summer? Because we're still ways away from Paul George's upcoming free agency. But do you think it matters at all? Or do you think uh, it, it really doesn't? Wait a minute. Paul George is from L.A.? I haven't heard that about is. this. Yes. Oh, my Source God. Wow. I mean, that's I mean, I haven't heard about that at all this year. Um yeah, no, uh, I don't think that the reception that he got at All-Star Weekend is going to play a super big role. Um, I don't think anybody that – if anybody's telling you they already know what he's going to do, I think that they're lying or guessing. Um, you know, I continue to hear the same things that a lot of people hear, like there's a really good chance that he winds up going to L.A. It's not necessarily a done deal, but like he wants to play there at some point which is understandable. He's openly talked about that. So it's not like anybody's breaking news anywhere. Um, You know, I think it'll come down to how well the Thunder do in the playoffs. And if he decides that he wants to stay there with Russ, 
for the next few years. Um, Cause it's not like he can't go to LA after that, you know, like he's, what is he? 28 years old, 20. He's not even 20. Yeah. He's 27. He'll be 28 this off season. Even if he signs a, a four year contract with OKC, like, all right, so he'll be 32 at the time he hits free agency again. Um, or sorry, he'll be 31 when he hits free agency again. So he could easily go there for the tail end of his career, even if he doesn't go there now. Um, I don't know what he's going to do. Like, I don't think anybody telling you that they do, like I said, is being truthful. Um, you know, you can make an educated guess, but, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens with that Thunder team the rest of the year. If it looks like they're going to be able to compete with uh, with Golden State and Houston, not like beat them, which I don't think is going to happen. But if they can put up a good fight and maybe figure out a way to change their roster some over the next couple of years and try to level up, then maybe he stays. And if they get swept out of the playoffs, then maybe he's just like, you know what, I might as well go back home now. And it's it's a weird predicament because and Russell Westbrook, I don't think is helping by saying that it's over and that he is staying. It, for Westbrook to be that confident, especially after losing Durant, I, I didn't really understand that at all. It's a bold move, but Westbrook's a bold guy. Yeah, look, I'm not going to criticize Russ. He's my guy. Um, yeah, he's my guy. I'm not criticizing. <laughs> You're not going to criticize that take of him just like openly just being like... What's he going to do? Yeah, What's he going to say? Like, oh, yeah, well, you know, he might leave and I'm not confident. And like... what? You know, what's he going to do? Yeah, like, fool me. Like, yeah, I, I would just be like, well, I mean, Durant left. I wouldn't be surprised if this guy left, too. I, I just, I, I mean, I he did know. the thing with KD he, where he was like, you know, I don't know. We'll see what happens. Like, I don't remember him being outwardly confident that KD was going to yeah. stay and KD left. So maybe he's trying to, like, incept Paul George into thinking that he's already made the decision to stay. I don't know. If I was Paul George, I'd be kind of pissed about it, to be honest, because now it's going to make him look worse. I think if he leaves this summer because Westbrook just being that adamant and Westbrook's going to be loved by OKC fans forever. I mean, it's it's not like PG has like this big connection to OKC that he should be super, you know, quote unquote loyal to them or anything, you know, like he got traded there. What, like six months ago? Like what kind of loyalty does he need to have to them? You know, if he wants to go somewhat like I'm of the mind where, you know, anywhere anybody wants to go, you know, more power to him. But, you know, it's it's not like there's some reason that he should be, like, indebted to OKC in any way. Like, if he stays there, it's going to be because of Russ, not because of anything else. So if that's how Russ thinks he wants to get PG on his side, like, he knows Paul George way better than I do. If he thinks that's what's going to work, then that's what he should be doing. That's fair. He definitely knows more than you or I about Paul George's uh, free agency this summer. But, um I don't know. Do you think in terms of LA, do you think a DJ Paul George LeBron team would be more interesting than LeBron and PG filling up the two max slots the Lakers now have? Or do you think, uh, I don't know. I've gone back and forth on this. Interesting basketball wise or like take wise? Basketball wise. Okay. Um, Yeah. I mean, I guess it depends who stays with the Lakers. Um, You know, so like for me, I would be completely uninterested in any like LeBron versus LeVar takery, but I would be very interested to see how him and Lonzo would play together. Like, I think that would be super fascinating on the court just to see how they would 
offset each other. Like they're both such great passers and Lonzo has these like very specific weaknesses. And it would be interesting to see how the two of them who are, you know, savant level passers and whatnot, LeBron, obviously like one of the greatest passers of all time, Lonzo first getting started on that level, but it would be interesting to see how they would mesh. And then like PG is one of those guys. It took him a while in OKC, but he's somebody where because of his skill set and I don't want to say mindset, but the way he fits into offenses, I think he can play next to almost anybody. Like he would figure out a way to get his and, and, and contribute next to pretty much anybody in the league. I think um, it, it took him, like I said, a little bit in OKC you saw at the beginning of the season where he was sort of deferring to, to mellow and Russ a little bit. And he struggled shooting, I think through like, through Christmas, he was shooting like 41% from the field. I was looking this up the other day, and since then he's shooting 50% from the field. So he, he turned a corner in the last month and a half or so. But the way he, like he can come off screens, he can play off the ball, he can run the pick and roll as the primary facilitator, he can run it as a scorer, he can get in the post. Like there's so many different things he can do. And he's just as comfortable off the ball as he is on the ball. Like there are some guys that can play off the ball, but clearly aren't as comfortable that way. He is. And I think that for that reason, he could fit in with anybody. Yeah. And I think that's, that's fair. I think for me, the Clippers would be more interesting. And I think it's a lot more because the Clippers just feel like they have like 13 more moves to make. And I love that they just locked up Lou and they couldn't find a taker for DJ and depending on who you read and who you believe they were close to DJ, but they, there was just some final things that just ended up not working out. So he stayed a clipper, but I do want to know what they could pull off. Like with this new front office, cause we really don't know what Jerry West's plan is here because people have really had mixed reactions to what they did at the deadline. Like they traded Blake obviously days before, but they locked up Lou. Like what is, what is in the back of Jerry West's mind and Lawrence Frank's mind? Like, what are they angling for? And, you know, PG and LeBron, like, if they were able to turn Blake Griffin's max slot into that and being able to keep DJ and seeing how Lou would work, and you, I, I think that would be fine. But I don't know what that team, do, like, what the end game is there, but I think that's more fascinating to figure out what they could do in, on the Clippers than on the Lakers. Because... I think Jonathan Shark's story on the Lakers being fine either way, which everyone should read because it's really good that the Lakers have two really good options that they have Kyle Kuzma, who looks like a stretch for the future. You have Brandon Ingram, who's coming along as a point forward. And then you have Lonzo um, just at the very least being a really good role player. I like they're fine either way if they get the stars or if they don't, but the Clippers seem like they're in a position where like they actually really do need to attract somebody because they weren't able to trade DJ. They just locked up Lou. They have Gallo on the books. Like I, I would like to see them keep maneuvering and keep trying to, instead of blowing it all up, just kind of moving the chessboard. The like, I just think that's more fascinating. And I think that fit would be more entertaining to me. It would definitely be super interesting, but if you're talking about them, pairing lebron and paul george with dj um i don't think that they can financially make that work yeah. without cutting a bunch of guys um because it's like austin rivers is definitely picking up his player option you would imagine that like west johnson's gonna pick up his player option 
Tay Dosage probably picks up his player option. And then if DJ picks up his to stay, or even if he just resigns to stay, they're already like $10 million over the cap, I think, at yeah. that point. So they would have to like trade Gallo and take no salary back, trade Tobias, trade Austin. Like they would have to trade so many guys in order to clear up that space. Uh, they could execute it as a sign and trade, but I don't know that anybody's going to be like super gung ho to do that. Um, so I, I don't know that it realistically can happen. Um, the following summer, in theory, it could if they like stretch Gallo at that point, uh, but that would require these guys sticking around for one more year. Yeah, I just I don't want to see LeBron and. Paul George and the Lakers. I don't want to see Kuzma and Ingram get forced out because I really do want to see the Lakers go through this long, fruitful rebuild. I think it's interesting what they're doing, and I want to see them continue to build, but they're kind of screwed this year, obviously, because they don't have their lottery pick. But I, I don't know. I don't want to see, because that messes up everything. What does Kuzma's career look like if he gets shipped out in favor of LeBron at the four? And what happens with Ingram if he gets moved because Paul George is going to play at his position? Like, how does that affect their trajectories? Like, I, I, I just feel bad for them because they've been so good and so much fun to watch this year. Yeah, I don't think that those guys would necessarily get forced out. I mean, they're making like no money, those two guys. Um, Kuzma's only making like a million and a half dollars a year or something uh, for yeah. the next couple. I think it would just wind up being, you know, the wall dang gets stretched this summer and that gives them the max space that they need right there. Um, I don't know that they would need to ship anybody else out. And then, you well, know, I, probably like Julius, Julius Randle gets um, sort of tossed aside. But, yeah. I don't know. I think, but wouldn't you, if you're Brandon Ingram, wouldn't you feel kind of slighted? Because he's not starting in that scenario if they're both. Uh, I think he would. I think it would be. Really? At the two? Yeah. I mean, they've okay. been basically playing him at the point with Lonzo out. I think he could easily play. Um, sort of at the two. I mean, it's, it could basically, they could rejigger the matchups in whatever way they want with essentially four perimeter-based players and whatever center they decide to sign. Um, and then I would imagine Kuzma comes off the bench with you know Josh Hart and a couple other guys. Um, yeah. That would be super interesting. But yeah, I, I think Ingram would still start in that scenario. Hmm. I don't know. I Either way, I think... Can we agree, though, that both of those options are more interesting than him just staying on OKC for a couple more years? Um, For Paul George, you mean? Yeah, because he... I just... We know that they're capped out. Like, we know their ceiling. And we know that this is not a team that can win a title or come close to Golden State. They would need another piece, and I don't know who that would be, but it like, they are paying Steven Adams, they have Russ, and I... I don't know. I, I think they'd be more. I, I think I would rather see him go to one of these LA teams. If I had to pick between Paul George and OKC, and it has nothing to do with OKC. Uh, I guess like this might be the hottest take of all is the Thunder were way more interesting and way more fun last year when it was just Westbrook by himself. I think Westbrook's more interesting. And I think that team is more fun when he is the only guy on that team. It's like the Iverson thing where it's like, we like him just being having a 37% usage rate and just doing everything himself and just me against the world and it not working and flaming out in the first round of the playoffs. Like that's fine. But what's the upside here by Paul George staying around, like getting one round further. 
I, I don't think it's as fun and I don't think it really moves the needle. And I don't think they have a realistic shot of really contending. But if you put him with LeBron on either the L- LA teams, we don't really know because they could still add another piece theoretically down the line. And it's just, there's more options that there's a in LA than there is in OKC. We, we just know now after watching them for the majority of the season that there's just, there's a limit. Yeah. I think it, probably depends what lebron does like is is paul george going to la without lebron more interesting than him in okc i don't think so um you know that's basically just paul george and a bunch of kids and i think we saw that sort of with the pacers last year and it wasn't super interesting um i don't i would agree i don't really want to watch that at all um you know if if he goes somewhere with lebron i think that'll be fascinating no matter what um you know even if it's like I don't know, pick a random, non- even if they go to the Kings, uh, I think that's interesting. Uh, um, sorry, Kings fans. Uh, so, like, sorry, Greg Wessinger and Tom Zeller. Uh, but, Kings fans deserve better. Yeah. Uh, I, I do think that him and Russ make super interesting foils for each other, just the way that the two of them fit together. And I think especially over the last month or so, that's played out as Melo's sort of receded into the background a little bit offensively and PG has stepped up to take uh, more of the reins and control of the offense. I think that they work really well together and they make for a fascinating pair. Uh, You know, I I do think that it's uh, extremely unlikely that they ever overtake Golden State or Houston. Um, I don't know that more unlikely things have happened, but, you know, maybe some less unlikely things have needed a few different breaks to fall in their direction to, to have it happen. But, you know, look, if somebody on golden state gets hurt all of a sudden, like all you gotta do is beat Houston. Um, not that it's super easy to beat Houston. They're like 29 and one with Chris, Chris James and Capella on the court. So that's, you know, not easy either, but I mean, I, I do think that the, that the two of them are really interesting together, you know, both from a basketball perspective and from a personality perspective, because Russ has that, sort of dominant alpha dog, you know, me against the world kind of shtick, even if he's not just him against the world. Um, and, and I think PG fits really well in the role of like, I am the second guy that can do first guy things, but I'm not the overbearing personality. And I think that that's worked well for him, you know, KC next to Russ. And I think it would continue to work well. Um, you know, they, I think it would be like two years like after next year before they could really add a significant talent next to those guys, because that at that point that would be when Melo's contract expires. I would imagine he's going to does Westbrook look like two years from now. Yeah. I mean, look, the guy is like made of vibranium essentially. So who knows? Maybe Until he's not Yeah, Maybe he looks exactly the same. Maybe he doesn't. Um, I don't imagine he's going to be one to age gracefully, Yeah, but other guys have, you know, like he also like he's worked in more post-ups over the last couple of years. And that's something that I could see working well for him as he gets older. You know, obviously he needs to uh, figure out ways to contribute the kind of things that he contributes as his athleticism wanes. But I mean, he's also 29 and it has shown absolutely zero sign of waning so far. Uh, maybe yeah. like magically once he hits 30 uh, later this year, it'll start dropping off. 
but it's not like, you know, we're, we're seeing the beginnings of it yet. So, I mean, you know, a year, another year and a half, maybe we do start to see it. Maybe we don't. Um, and at that point, like he would still have Paul George essentially in his prime. And if it's Russ dropping off, it would be the very beginning of his drop off. And you would still have, you know, Steven Adams, who's one of the better centers in the league, Robertson, really good defender. Um, you know, so it's not like there would be nothing there for somebody to come play around with, you know, and not that anybody's going to go sign in Oklahoma City necessarily, but they could figure out a trade, something like that. Somebody that wants to come out and wants to play with other star guys, you know, who knows? Um, you know, that's obviously all dependent on Paul George wanting to stick around. But I, I don't think necessarily like I don't think Paul George and DeAndre is more interesting basketball wise or personality wise than Paul George and Russ. I think it would be dependent on LeBron going somewhere with him. And that's no guarantee, obviously. What do you think about Paul George just going to Cleveland this summer and then them just trading Kevin Love after everything? Yeah, that financially, it was, I would imagine, is just not possible at all. <laughs> no. But that might make the most sense to me because I still don't think LeBron should leave Cleveland again, I think, at least not in the short term. And especially with the moves they made, like I think they're fine to win the Eastern Conference again and just... I just don't know why he'd want to go into the Western Conference anytime soon, especially like the Lakers. I mean, the uh, the Warriors are not slowing down anytime soon. I mean, unless he signed with the Rockets or the Spurs, but even that, I just I don't know why he'd want to go into the Western Conference and the NBA. Just if he goes west, I I don't. <laughs> that might be the biggest reason to push for the one through sixteen reseeding, but. I, I don't think, like I tweeted out today, I, I don't see any owner that, Eastern Conference owner that signs off on reseeding 1 through 16 and getting rid of the conferences, uh, being, like having separate playoff seating and everything else, uh, should be forced to immediately sell their team because we would not see the Orlando Magic in the playoffs <laughs> for like 15 years. I think LeBron should go to the Knicks. There you go. I like it. Unbiased. Unbiased, real. not self serving. It just makes sense. Um, future superstar Frankie Smokes, current the Big Apple, yeah, current superstar Trey Burke, um, future All NBA, All World Luke Cornett. Um, mm. You know, look, I don't see how he could pass up that opportunity. Great did organization. You Frank, did you see Frankie Smokes uh, standing next to uh, Charles Oakley? I did. I support and that. Almost the same height. Yeah, he is <laughs> tall. Um, yeah. And he's crazy long. Like, that dude's arms are the longest things I've ever seen. Mo Bamba's got some pretty long arms. I watched Texas, Oklahoma on Saturday. That's how bad of a sports wagon it was, mm. is I was watching Texas, Oklahoma on Saturday afternoon. And after the game, I think Dick Vitale and whoever the other commentator was, like, had him stri- stretch his arms out. Mo Bamba's got some really, really long arms. I have not watched... Um any of this year's prospects yet. I'll just throw that out there. Um, I haven't either. That's why I watched it because I want to watch Trey Young versus Mo Bamba. Yeah. The only college basketball I've watched this year is Miami. um, Because that's where I went to school in case people haven't figured that out by now. No. Yeah. I I don't. Miami's good though now, right? Aren't they? Yeah. We, um, we lost three in a row. Uh, Our best player, Bruce Brown hurt his foot in practice and is out for like six to eight weeks. And uh, we lost three stupid games in a row. We finally won again tonight. Beat um, <coughs> Notre Dame. Why am I uh, blanking on who we just beat? 
Notre Dame? I think it was Notre I Dame. I can't help you. I, I have no yeah. idea. No, yeah, we beat Notre Dame tonight. I was like, why did I not? I just watched the game. Um, but yeah, our, our best player is out for a while, and we lost a bunch of stupid games. So now we're like floating towards being a bubble team, but we should probably get it. Um, we got, a, I think, three regular season games left, and then the ACC tournament. If we go 2-1 and one in those three games, we should definitely get it. There you go. Isn't it, I do believe I read that Notre Dame's a bubble team this year too, which is really weird. No, Dame. I think that they're off the bubble. I think that they're bad. Oh, they're not like off the bubble. Yeah, they're um, they're like under five hundred in the ACC. I don't think they're going to make it. Uh oh, man, I I really have no idea what's going on. You could tell me anything just about, and I'd be like, oh, that sounds about right. For yeah. College basketball. I saw Xavier was like fourth, and I was like, I I don't know anything about this sport anymore. Yeah. <laughs> I just the only thing I I have always liked about Xavier. One of my friends um, used to always take them to go to the Sweet Sixteen or the Elite Eight in uh, in like his bracket pool, and um, he always called them Xavier instead of Xavier. Um, And he he still annoying. He still calls them Xavier. Uh, (laughs) It's I know a lot of people that still say Xavier when they see that name. Or who was it? Uh, there was somebody who I think they're I don't know if this is I don't know. I, I don't want to tell that story because I don't know if they're listening and I don't I don't want to throw them on the bus. So never mind. Um but it, it has to do with pronouncing Xavier Xavier. Mm. Um which is a great transition to uh, the Indiana Pacers who I uh, think at one point I thought had maybe Xavier we were going to talk about like Thad Matta or something. No, I was going to transition cuz I believe Xavier Henry his Played name is actually pronounced Xavier. Xavier. There it is. But it's spelled Xavier. Yeah. But I believe he was a member of the Indiana Pacers at one point. He's like French or something. So it's Xavier. I also don't another... think he played for the Pacers. I remember him on the Grizzlies. This um, sounds like a good basketball junkie bet. I think he did. He was on the Lakers. I wrote about him when he was on the Lakers. Um, it was like him, Wes Johnson, Kendall Marshall. Like when Mike D'Antoni was taking a bunch of weird guys who had never done anything in their career and they were all putting up career numbers. Um, I, I don't think he was Damn on the Pacers at any point. He didn't. The Lakers, Hornets, Grizzlies. Hornets was the one that I missed. I remember the Grizzlies and the Lakers. Man, that's a bummer. I could have seen, like, you could tell me any random wing, like Joe Young, all these guys that were a Pacer at some point. <laughs> I wanted to say Xavier Henry was. Xavier. I like it. That might be the best pronunciation of. I like it, but anyway, they apparently went to six of the Pacers. We don't know who it was. Went to Kevin Pritchard, the general manager, like pleading for them to keep this sixth place team in the Eastern Conference together past the deadline and see what they could do. I mean, they're a really fun story. I love watching Victor Oladipo this year. It's been great. They're it's bizarre how good they've been, and I mean, they're definitely gonna be a playoff team at this point, but. I did think it was kind of a funny story of like just this team really believes in themselves and they're they really want to get a limit they really want a playoff series I think is all it is they know they're not going to win maybe because it's they're not winning a playoff series but it uh, it's kind of cool that they kept it together and Pritchard didn't trade any of his solid rotational pieces that he had because they have eight or nine guys that are all at worst just average rotation players. So I have a theory on who the six guys were. This is based on absolutely nothing other than like looking at their roster and figuring out like 
who might have done it that he would have actually listened to. I mean, one Before of, you go, I'm going to go ahead and say one of them was definitely Lance Stevenson. Yes, 100%. I was about to say there were two <laughs> people that were definitely involved, Lance Stevenson and Oladipo, 100%. Like that to me is no doubt in my mind those two guys were involved. Mm. Um, I'm going to say Al Jefferson was also part of the group. Mm. Thad Young was part of the group. And then my two wild cards are Glenn Robinson the third, and okay. your man Joe Young. I think Ooh. that the, I think that was the six guys. No Miles Turner in this. I feel like Miles Turner was like gonna go, but then he was like, I don't know, man. I'm doing something else right now, and he just like he was supposed to be there, but it was like a um, one of those things where like Tony Soprano was supposed to go on the heist with his cousin that got arrested, but then something that happened and he couldn't be there. <laughs> feel like that's yes. what happened with miles turner there you go um you know who i'm 100 percent certain was uh not involved alex poitras uh sure yep i i could see that he's like 35 now right <laughs> he kept going back to kentucky because he kept getting injured and i remember he was like a 27 year old rookie at one point but he is 24 there it is um <laughs> but his body is actually 39 and just like you know. mine <laughs> there you go um Bojan Bogdanovic did not care. I am 100% convinced that he was totally fine being a wizard for the second half of the season, if that's what happened. Probably. Do you think he cares at all about being a pacer? I, He's shooting below like 35% this year. I think he cares that people like always confuse him with Bogdan Bogdanovic and think that they're the same person, even though they're not. And it's going to get worse because Bogdan yeah. just uh, won the, ri- the Rising Star. Bogdan's good. MVP. I like him. He I remember good. watching the Kings early in the season and being like, wait a minute, this guy's good. He is good. And he's fun. He, he hits shots that he shouldn't hit. It's kind of like this. I don't know if this is very fair. And this is not a slight, but he reminds me of like J.J. Barea, where he's able to like find ways to get in the lane and just hit these ridiculous shots that he should not hit. And he looks smaller than everybody else that he's matched up against, but he finds ways to score. He's just fun. Isn't he like six, seven though? He's huge, but he doesn't look huge. I've, pro- I've watched way too many Kings game, but he looks smaller than everyone who's matched up with him. I, I don't know how to explain it. I'll take your word for it. Um, but I would not encourage anyone to watch a lot of Kings because Zach Randolph still is like almost like a 30% usage. Rate and it's, <laughs> it's, so frustrating that entire Kings Warriors game that I sat through the other night was just it was amazing that Dave Yeager is running that offense through Zach Randolph but that is neither here nor there the Pacers those six guys they want to keep together they kept it together they're going to be a playoff team but what I think is interesting about this team is they remind me a lot of the Toronto Raptors in that I think they're kind of like a mini Toronto with Old Depot and Miles Turner's two foundational building blocks. Maybe Turner's not quite there, but he's still lottery pick, and I think he's someone the Pacers still see as a lottery pick. I mean, as a franchise guy, or at least one of their cornerstone pieces. And then you have in Toronto where you have Lowry and DeRozan, who are still cornerstones, but none of them are going to move the needle enough to beat LeBron, but they're still really good pieces that you could see Old Depot and Turner being all-stars several years in a row you could see it working out for the next couple years but not winning a title being really good and Pritchard has all these rotational pieces that are great like 
whenever you watch the Pacers, no one in the game for them ever is just a terrible player. Like you're like, oh God, he's going to kill. Like this lineup's going to get torched because you have Corey Joseph, you have Bogdanovich, you have, I mean, even Joe Young's okay. You have Darren Collison, who's like been the best backup point guard of like the last 10 years in the NBA. Like he's been great for them this year. Like, I don't know if they really have a, what it's just, I think it's an under, valued asset in the regular season to have a team where your entire rotation is just all solid to above average guys. That is something that our friends at nylon calculus have written about. And it's one of the things that helps um, teams who fare much better in like win projection systems than in like Vegas odds. It's something that was the case for the Celtics a couple of years ago when all of the win projection systems were spitting out win totals, like five, six wins higher than Vegas, which is obviously a big difference. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that was one of the things I think it was Ian Levy that wrote the article about it, um, uh, about why they, uh, keep overperforming Vegas in, uh, in all of the win projection models. And I, and I think it's somewhat similar with the Pacers. Um, you know, more interesting to me though, is that other than Oladipo, Nobody on this team has a guaranteed non-rookie contract for next year. Everybody else is either on a team option, a player option, or a non-guaranteed deal. Every single other player that's a veteran on the team. Like all the, all the guys on their rookie contracts have, you know, guaranteed money for next year. Miles Turner, Sabonis, uh, who they draft this year? Um, TJ Leaf. Um, oh, yes. Everybody else, um, Thad Young is a player option. Corey Joseph is a player option. Uh, Lance Stevenson is a team option. Joe Young's a team option. Bogdanovich is non-guaranteed. Collison's non-guaranteed. Jefferson's non-guaranteed. So they could open up like $50-plus million in cap space. Not that anybody's going to go sign in Indiana necessarily, but they could figure out a way to you know, dramatically overhaul their roster if they really want to over the summer just by cutting ties with like, let's say they decide, all right, we're not going to bring back Jefferson Collison and Bogdanovich. That's $30 million right there. And then even if their other guys come back, they'll have like, you know, 40, $45 million in cap space to do, you know, you could do a lot with that in an environment where nobody else has much room. Yeah. I mean, there's still a lot of talent out there. And I mean, they could also do the Brooklyn thing where they could start screwing over other teams with their restricted free agents by offering them a lot of money because they have the money to throw this summer. Like, I would like to see them. Who knows what's going to happen with Jabari? Like, he's someone I would target for them. Um, Avery Bradley's available. So I, I think there's a lot of guys out there that would be interesting for them um, that they could spin. And they're kind of in that Houston thing now, right? Where... Houston with Harden, they were like, all right, like they did not bottom out and Indiana has no intention of bottoming out. So they're going to keep going, but they now have an all-star and they have another potential all-star in Turner. So like, maybe you just like what you said, where they have all this like potential cap room that they kind of use that to fill the rest of the roster and also keep their options open. So if they can ever get to the point where they're a perennial 50 uh, win team, and Victor Oladipo just starts racking up all-stars and just keeps this going and turns all of us into who are still kind of skeptical as to whether or not he can keep this up, especially through the playoffs. But like, if he gets to that point where he's just like, okay, this is a guy, 
he is officially one of the top 30 players, top 25 players in the NBA. If he can ever like establish himself as that, that's huge. And that's attractive. Maybe not to get like the superstar, but an, a bunch of quality pieces around him and maybe doing that, you know, what they did just by acquiring Victor Oladipo and Demonte Sabonis to lottery picks is like finding guys on other teams who may not work out like the Mario Azonias, the Aaron Gordons, guys like that who they didn't work out on their first team, but they were still lottery picks and they could still work out in the right system. And Indiana could be that place where guys go knowing that they're going to um, probably do pretty well because all these rotational guys do well for some reason, Indiana for right now, at least. So a few things there. First of all, you just suggested a bunch more Orlando guys for the Pacers, which I think is funny. Um, so, I like a lot of those Orlando guys still to this day. I because well, Oladipo was Gordon. an Orlando guy too, so it's like that's I true. Think it's, uh, yeah, let's just send all of Orlando to Indiana. Yeah. All the good players in Orlando, let's um, just send them to Indiana. I mean, Oladipo is my guy. I said he should have gone number one that year. I thought that the Cavs should have picked him. Um, I think that would have worked out super well for them. Um, he is really good and this is something that i think was clear even when he was in college like the way he works like he just works so hard and it's you know it's such a cliche obviously but you look at it it's played out on the court he has shot better from the field and from three in every successive season of his career that's real noticeable improvement every year because he puts in the work and now he's at you know one of the highest usage rates in the league and a considerably above average efficiency. Like he's just really good because he works at being really, really good and it's paid off. And, you know, I, I do think he could potentially be one of those foundational type players. You know, I don't know if he'll be top 10, top 15 player, but he could be one of the top 20, 30 players in the league for the next five, six years. You know, he's only 25. I think he turns 26 later this year. Um, so that's, you know, over the course of his contract, I think he's got four more years or three more years after this uh, with Indiana. So that's something that they have locked in. You know, at twenty-one million, he's probably underpaid if he stays this good. Um, yeah. And that's a contract that looked like it was going to be really bad as recently as this offseason. Um, you know, the difference between them being able to make a Houston-like jump is that Houston had all of these stockpiles of assets that they had accumulated from years of you know, slight wins and trades that Daryl Morey had pulled off over the years. Uh, Indiana has zero incoming draft picks. Um, they don't have that, that war chest, that stockpile, yeah. or even super tradable pieces that they could throw into deals that aren't, you know, core pieces for them. Like, who's the best piece that they could throw into a deal? It's probably Sabonis. Um, yeah. That's not really moving the needle for anybody. You know, maybe on a Bogu um becomes one of those kind of guys um uh, but they don't have the ammo to go get those next big pieces to go alongside him you know they do have clean books which is good but they're also in indiana and not uh, houston so that's not as good um i think it's going to take somebody in-house making a big leap like a, miles turner has to make he's really good i think he's going to be a lot better eventually you know it happens a little bit later for big men sometimes I think it's already sort of coming together for him. Like he's, he's quite good. And he's one of the guys that, you know, within that young big men class has sort of gotten overshadowed by, you know, the quote unquote unicorn guys, just because they're a little bit further along than he is. 
um you know and and, and they they're have more established post game like his stuff is he still shoots all like he's very modern he obviously mm-hmm. is a good shooter and he shoots from three a lot and he likes being he he's a space the floor five but he doesn't really do anything inside which i think is the next step that's what's like going to be the difference between whether or not he becomes a star i think is if he adds anything inside yeah i think also like he has not shot well inside this year either if i'm remembering correct because he was shooting really well inside the last couple of years that said i mean he's 21 years old he's learning now how to play next to you know a different kind of high usage wing player than the one that he had over the last couple of years just because oladipo is not quite as comfortable off the ball as someone like paul george who didn't necessarily have the ball in his hands all the time like Oladipo does. And that's, you know, been an adjustment, I think, for Turner this year. So, you know, I, I think he's going to get a lot better. He's going to be really good. Is he a foundational superstar type player? Maybe not. But can he be, you know, an extremely high level player that works really well with Oladipo? I think definitely. And that's, you know, a really good thing to have. And then he just got to find more guys. You know, they have their own picks. They, you know, maybe Sabonis develops into someone that can play next to Turner more often. Um, you know, they got a lot of cap space. Maybe TJ Leaf turns into the kind of guy they thought he was going to be when they drafted him. You know, who knows? Maybe you just get Trevor Reza and hope that he's still good friends with a lot of superstars. <laughs> and maybe he can get somebody else. Because he's still somehow only 32 years old. Trevor get, Reza has been in the NBA for Get Bobby Brown. You know, the Rockets, there you go. The Bobby Rockets Brown's available. Yeah. 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 See, that's maybe what the game plan is. To mix in with a couple nice... Uh, free agent bargain guys, but also get the guys that are going to attract the other free agents. Like get Channing Fry, he's going to be available this summer. Just that's what I would do, maybe. And then, I mean, Isaiah Thomas is sitting there. Get the Isaiah Thomas Victor Oladipo backcourt. That should be a lot of fun. That would be interesting. Um, I don't know that they're going to back up any kind of Brinks truck for Isaiah. So what about Exum? He could be in. Like, who knows what Exum's going to get this? Like, what does Utah do with Exum with Donovan Mitchell now? Yeah, I have no idea. Uh, um, I guess it depends. Like, they obviously know a lot more about his health than anybody else. You know, they'll be in a better position to make a call on him than any other team. You know, obviously, you got to get, you know, as much medical information as you can before you decide if you want to sign him. Like, it's a pretty decent, you know, buy low, second draft kind of a guy if you can get him for cheap and the jazz decide they don't want to match a deal that said if they don't want to match a deal that probably tells you something um but yeah but it also may not because they just struck goal with mitchell where it's just like i don't know if you can play mitchell and exum together and if you don't think you can long term then there's no point well i'm talking about trying to buy low on 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 him yeah i mean look if if somebody's trying to buy low on him then that means you know maybe the the jazz can say yeah for five million dollars a year why can't we have Dante Exum, you know, like yeah. if they're not matching a deal like that, I think that tells you something, you know, that that's just a price that I threw out there as a buy low price. I don't know what it would actually cost to get him. I haven't talked to anybody about that. You know, I, I do think it's, that's the kind of guy that would be interesting to bet on that said, like, what is it? Two years in a row now that he's missed due to injury. Um, yeah. You can't necessarily count on him for much at this point. I will not leave him or Mario Hazonia. Those two I cannot leave. Or no, not two years in a row. He played last year. He missed the year before. I don't think he played in every game though last year. Didn't he have something? No, he didn't play every game, but he. I think he was around for most of the year. It was the year before that he missed entirely due to the uh, the ACL. Yeah, he's only played in 148 games, so still a lot to 
Yeah, and there. what is he, like 21, 22 years old, 22. something like that? Yeah. I don't know. XM's still super fascinating. The length, can't get over the length, mm-hmm. but uh, we'll see what happens. But yeah. Um, the most likely scenario, I think Julius Randle and uh, he seems like a future pacer to me. Like he seems like someone they would pay to replace uh, Thad Young. Just add Julius Randle in there, and I mean, I think and, Thad Young picks up that player option. It's like fourteen million. I can't I imagine can Julius Randle yeah. to be the six man third big, like that uh, Julius Randle was meant to be. I love Julius Randle. I am still on. Like, I don't know if it's oh, and Tyreek Evans. He seems like the next. Like he'll get the MLE. Like the Pacers will. Like. Oh man, he definitely feels like the next pacer. If they're yeah. operating as an under the cap team, they won't have the mid level exception, but maybe they oh, could give him an equivalent contract. Um but yeah, I, I love Julius Randle. I'm all about him. I think he's a really good player. I think that the segment of Laker fans that hate him are nuts. Uh, um he's a good playmaker. Like, no, he doesn't protect the rim and no, he doesn't stretch the floor a lot. But he's just a good player. He makes things happen. He can make plays on the court, and that is valuable. Fair enough. We've talked more about the Pacers than I think any NBA podcast has this entire season. So there, have, well there have got to be Pacers podcasts out. Like I locked on Pacers definitely exists. So I don't. I don't know. Haven't seen it. Haven't listened to it. So until I have, I can't confirm whether or not that does exist. Um, the last thing that I wanted to touch on with you, we touched on this, I mean, this team in particular, I wrote down in my notes, but what are like, we're, we're in the final stretch before the playoffs. It feels like everything's kind of settled, but what are some post all-star break storylines that you're interested in for the last 20 plus games? Um, there's a few definitely that stand out. Like, first of all, I want to see how, like, does this ridiculous run that the Rockets are on? when Chris James and Capella all play together, like the, can that really continue? Like if they continue winning 29 out of 30 games with those guys, like we have to consider them a way realer threat to put up a real series with the Warriors than I think people are. I, I think at this point people are like, Oh yeah, there's like a 25, 30% chance that they can win a series. If they continue playing at that level, I think you got to bump that up to like 35, 40%. I would still consider the Warriors like pretty heavy favorites. But, I mean, if they're going to go still on that kind of winning run, it's, um, you know, you got to take them way more seriously. Um, you know, I want to see what I have I- a take for you, Jared. Yeah. On the Rockets. Right now, if they win their first round series and the standings stay basically where they are right now, they would get matched up with the Timberwolves most likely in the second round because I think Wolves will beat the Thunder in a first round series. I would probably take the Wolves over the Rockets in a seven game series. I would not. <laughs> I, I know it's a take. I was telling yeah. you it's a take. I think Jimmy Butler, I like who towns and Butler. I, I just, the, the wolves have no depth. Their depth is terrible. So if anyone gets injured, it's, it's over. If Jimmy Butler gets injured, it's over. But I could definitely see that being a huge problem for the Rockets in a seven game series. I could see the Wolves and this will play into the next thing that I'm interested to see over the rest of the season. I could definitely see the Wolves and their offense has been quite good this year. I think it's still in the top five in offensive efficiency. Um, I can see them turning out very much like the Raptors of the last few years where their offense is significantly less effective in the playoffs just because of how simple it is and how dependent it is 
on certain guys to create for themselves. Um, I think that that is something to watch for in the playoffs. And that is, you know, we know that that's happened with uh, Kyle and DeMar over the last several years. And it's happened with the Raptors offense as a whole over the last several years. So that's why I'm super interested to see uh, what happens with them over the rest of the season. Like, do they get home court advantage throughout the East playoffs is a big question to me because I think that they have the best home record in the league. They did the Mm -hmm. last time I looked um, that I'm pretty sure that's still the case. I'm bringing it up now. Yeah. They're 24 and four at home. Nobody else is better than that. That is really, really good. Uh, Not even close to as good, obviously on the road, 17 and 12. Um, what happens if they get home court throughout the playoffs? You know, um, I think that you probably would still consider the Cavs the favorites in any Eastern Conference series because they still have LeBron. And until somebody beats them, you probably have to consider his team the favorite. But the Raptors are super interesting to me over the rest of the year. Um, something I'm writing about over the next couple of weeks that got I was at one point writing about like the bottom half of the Western Conference playoff bracket. I was going to write about uh, OKC, Denver, Portland, New Orleans, and the Clippers. And I wrote about OKC and Denver. And then I was going to write about New Orleans and Boogie tore his Achilles. Then I was going to write about the Clippers and Blake got traded. And then it was the trade (laughs) deadline. And then it was all-star. So now I'm going back through now. Oh, and in the interim, the Jazz won 11 straight games. So so now I'm going back through that. I'm going to be writing about Portland, New Orleans, uh, the Clippers and the Jazz over the next couple of weeks. I think that um, that group of six teams that are all separated by two and a half games is super fascinating to watch over the rest of the year. And then um, San Antonio. Remember when we worried about like a Western Conference eight seed being under five hundred at one point? Yeah, that was funny. Um, no. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, San Antonio. Like, what's happening with Kawhi? He's played what like nine games the whole season. Um, yeah doesn't seem like there's any sort of firm idea of if and when he's going to come back like who knows um and of course they're still on pace for like 53 wins uh because greg popovich is the best coach in nba history so yeah i feel like this might be the most underrated greg popovich season in years like we just have discounted the fact that he just hasn't had Kawhi for basically actually just all season because the games we've seen him he's obviously been super limited he's playing only a couple minutes like this is ridiculous what he's doing with B trends and like Tony Parker now out of the like not out of the rotation but just no longer starting and just you look at this roster and like any other coach I I just I don't know what their record looks like but I know it doesn't look like 35 and 24. Yeah, he is amazing and I mean there's not much more you can say about him like he's so good. Um I think he basically have to be the coach of the year at this point. Like they're on pace for 50 wins with, without their best player the entire season. Like Kawhi was averaging what, like 20 minutes a game when he played and he played nine out of whatever, like 60 games. I mean, it's insane. It's, I mean, he's winning games with Brent Forbes. That's a real person. Davis Bertans. Joffrey Lavinway, Laver, how do you spell it? Laverne. Say Laverne. Jo- See, it doesn't look like Laverne. So I always look at him like, okay, Joffrey Laverne, he had like what, a 20 point outing the other night? Like, yeah, much to the just... chagrin of Danny LaRue. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that was, it's just, it's remarkable what he's doing there. I'm interested to see what happens with the Kings because they're quietly. No, you're not. No, I am. They're quietly 30th in offensive and defensive efficiency. I love watching them because it's bizarre that it's happening. Like I said, I watched an entire Kings Warriors game uh, a couple of nights ago, or I guess a couple of weekends ago. And it was just baffling. The way they run things, like Scala BCA, I don't understand why he's not getting a high usage rate, why they're not seeing what they're doing with him. Willie Colley Stein's always playing. Maybe with it's because big. every time he gets the ball on the post, he like throws it off the top of the square on the glass. All right, I will not tolerate any BCA. <laughs> I like Scal, but it's just like there's only a certain point to which you can give a guy usage and watch him just like throw the I ball. I want him off the jacking backboard. up seven threes a game. I don't know why we're not getting seven threes. Yeah, I would re- highly recommend not watching the Kings the rest of the season. Like I do every year after the All Star break, I cut out like any team that has a zero percent chance of making the playoffs from my game watching rotation. But you could do that from the beginning of the season um, because we all knew the Kings. Well, no, I like I like to watch you know just to see what happens through the early part of the year. Um, you know, because I got to get a handle on everybody around the league. You know, that's I cover the whole league. Like I got to watch everybody. Uh, but after the All Star break, anybody that has like zero chance of making it, I try to cut out, uh, except the Knicks because that's you, that's who my have team. You hated watching the most this year. Um, I hated the most probably. Like like, I hate that I have to watch this team just because I cover every team. I have to know what this team's doing right now. Um, like boring wise or like horrible basketball wise. I don't know because horrible basketball can be fun. Like the Suns. Are those games are must see now because you never know if they're going to get blown out by fifty. You, Troy Daniels might you might learn that Troy Daniels was really upset that Richard Jefferson said that they should all be sent to the G League and will try and start fights with Will Barton. Like who knows? Yeah, like, like I was off, horrible like, basketball wise. I was going to go with the Suns. Like they, it's like it's not fun watching them try to play actual basketball. Um, boring wise, I think it's been the Magic. Mm. um they're just remember that early season surge what did they start off the season as they were like eight and three they were like eight and three at some point (laughs) three that's what it was it felt like 20 and eight for them because of their last like five years but it was actually like eight and three uh eight and four yeah there it is they were eight and four and then they lost two four six eight nine in a row oh my god and then at one point they lost two four six nine in a row again They've had two different nine-game losing streaks this season, <laughs> plus another seven-game losing streak after starting uh, eight and four. Yeah, they're bad. Um, I will not be watching them the rest of the year. Uh, like the the Knicks are the only no chance team that I can't cut out because I am a moron. Well, na- hey, now they're gonna start unleashing Frankie Smokes. Yeah, we'll see. Jared Jack um, going to the bench. We'll see if they actually do that. Oh, and I mean. I guess in theory the nets are not cut out either because I got to go to Barclays for games in addition to uh, the Garden so I can you know talk to teams around here. So I guess the nets are not out either. But all of the you know my pick is yeah Miami Heat. I hate watching them. Oh really? I kind of. I mean, I hate Pat Riley. So this <laughs> next sentence doesn't actually hold true but i like watching that i mean i love james johnson i love goran dragic um i think that uh um, man i think I bam has wade. been super fascinating 
I don't know. It's a tough watch. I've tried to give them 48 minutes of my time and have not really enjoyed it. I don't see necessarily the future superstardom for Josh Richardson that some other people kind of have like agree, have yeah. bubbled up seeing, but I think he's good. Um, yeah, I, I mean, they always play super hard. Like They're like an yeah. entire team of tryhards, which is interesting to G- watch. It's a really good G League team. I think they're a little bit better than that. That's mean. I know, but like that's what it feels like. The tryhards, what you're saying, or it's like all of them are like fighting for their NBA lives. It seems like, and their team identity. Like you can make the case that Whiteside's the best player, or whatever. But it's probably Goran Dragic. But Whiteside be coming from the G League and reestablishing career. Like it's, yeah, I mean, all these guys have chips on their shoulders. It's a whole group of team of players like that. Like uh, what was it? Tyler Johnson was yeah a second rounder, right? Yeah. And Wayne Ellington was like about to be out of the league. Or Tyler Johnson was undrafted, ago. I think, actually. Uh, Richardson was the one who was a second rounder. Yeah. Richardson was a second rounder. James Johnson's bounced around the league for years. Whiteside obviously was out of the league. Dragic had like six different teams give up on him. They got Wayne Ellington there, who I think was a first rounder back in the day and has stayed in the league, but has obviously played on like 47 different teams at this point. Um, I've loved probably Wayne a Ellington. pacer at some point. Yeah, he was not a pacer. He was a. <laughs> I'm gonna get this right at some a point. Timberwolf, a Timberwolf, a Cav, a Grizzly, a Maverick, a Laker, a Net, and a and a a Heat. No, you're not a Heat. A member of mm. the Heat. There you go. Kelly yeah. Linick. Olinick, Luke Babbitt is there now. Um, yeah, and oh, like yes. I think Bam is interesting. Um, I like Bam a lot. Like these are all pieces that I like individually. I mean, we didn't even talk about Deion Waiters, but that's mostly because he's out for the season. I am not a Deion Waiters guy. Okay. I don't think any of the shtick is funny. I don't think he's all that good. I think it's pretty hilarious that they gave him that contract based on like a half a season of him shooting like 43% from the fields. Like, I don't know. It's fair. Um, but like the King stuff, I really am interested to see if Lade gets even more time. I don't understand why Dave Yeager's not in the hot seat. I don't understand why this whole team, like what more does Vivek need to see before he ejects on everything? Um, they tried to get to the playoffs this year. They spent money this off season. None of it worked. So I talked to Vivek for an interview for ESPN.com. A few years ago now, I think it might be like four years ago, and um, it is very interesting to look back on that interview given how things have turned out in Sacramento. Like, if if you just Google like my name and and Vivek's name, you'll be able to find it. It should come up within the first few Google hits, and um, yeah, it is. it is an interesting read given the way things have turned out. I'll say that. It, um, I'm going to have to go and check that back out because it's bizarre that um, it's happened. I want to know what happens. We talked about Toronto. I want to know what happens if they get Milwaukee in the first round. I want to know if they get Detroit with Blake and Andre and the healthy Reggie Jackson or Philadelphia. Like, I think there's real concern with the Raptors and just the how tense it's going to be for them, depending on who they get matched up with in round one. Yeah. I mean, look, things are always tense for them in the first round of the playoffs, especially when they're home. 
because they wind up always losing that first game. But the I would take the Bucks over them in an eight in a seven game series. Why? Giannis. They played him last year. Um yeah, I mean once they cracked that defense, it was basically over. Um, you know, defense a little different now under Prunty than it was over kids, so we'll see what happens. But by the way, um the Pistons after those first few games with Blake, um, what they lose three in a row after that? They played a bunch of teams like they were at home and the opponent was on the second night of a back to back. Um, when they won those first four games with Blake there. I don't think we can look at Detroit until we see them with Reggie again. Well, I'm just saying, like, it's not like they all of a sudden became some unbeatable team. Um, yeah. You know, like, and they're still, what is it, like two, three games out of a playoff spot, something like that? Um, it's close. Yeah, I don't know, I don't know that they're they're, make the I don't know that I consider them, like, a super big threat to anybody in the top half of the bracket. Yeah, and I mean, does Toronto want to see Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons in the first round? I I don't know. I think at the very least, like maybe it's a stretch to say that I would take the Bucks over the Raptors in round one, but I know that the Raptors do not want to deal with Giannis. Nobody wants to. It's not like anybody wants to deal with Giannis. It's uh, you know, it's the um, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, that's I'm super interested in Toronto. Like I said, like. That home record is crazy. Um, you know, the the defense has been really, really good all year. I think they might be the only team in the league that is in the top five on both sides of the ball right now. And um, that's legit. Uh, that's a little bit different than they were over the last couple of years when they were in, like, the back half of the top ten on both sides. Right now they're fourth in offense and fourth in defense, third in net rating behind only Golden State and Houston, and they're super close to houston and net rating so they're really good man um i I don't know that i I would be really good i just don't know what to expect with them in the playoffs like i just think it's going to be this weird slog again in there they have all these good rotation pieces and eventually you're gonna have to cut this rotation down Mm -hmm. and we'll see who gets left out like i i I don't know yeah look i I, mean i I think it's you know i could definitely see the reason for thinking that it's because we've seen it happen over the last few years, you know, to their credit, they do play much differently offensively than they have over the last few years. And it's not just like that. They're shooting more threes. Like they're moving the ball differently. They're pushing targeted and transition. Like they're playing. It's Fred Van Vliet. Like that dude, when he plays, like he's playing crunch time. I don't think a lot of people will realize that this dude is actually closing out games with this. Yeah. I wrote about their bench unit uh, early in the season uh, before OG started starting. Um, Van Fleet yeah. obviously was a big part of that. Um, you know, Delon Wright, uh, who you know I'm part of the Delon Wright Stan Club. Not even like the fan club; it's the Stan Club. Um, oh, I see. I'm there with Van Fleet. I love Delon Wright. Uh, Pirtle has played pretty well off the bench for them too. Like they just have a bunch of interesting guys there. And I mean, I think a, a huge thing for them is that Jonas has played much better this yeah. year than over the last couple. Like he's just destroying guys in the post. Um, which is very encouraging to see. Um, CJ Miles is no longer shooting like a hundred percent from three, but you know he's and Norman Powell's just falling off the face of the earth. Yeah, I mean, look, who are you giving him minutes over? Is he getting minutes over DeRozan? Obviously not. Is he getting minutes over OG? Probably not. Is he getting minutes over like right Van Van, uh, Van Vliet right now? Probably not. Is he getting minutes over Miles? Not all that much. Like, 
whose minutes is he taking? Um, yeah. You know, it's, it's definitely interesting. Um, but even so, like, that's another guy you have in your back pocket if you want to play. Like, you look at it, basically, like, Kyle and DeMar are playing a lot. Jonas plays um, not even all that much. Uh, Ibaka gets, you know, regular minutes. Everybody else is getting, like, 15 to 20 minutes a night. There's, like, seven guys that are getting 15 to 20 minutes a night. Eight guys, even. Mm. We'll see. They're fascinating. Um, my last two things, though. I don't believe we're going to see Kawhi in the playoffs is one thing that I'm interested to see if that changes. Mm-hmm. There's so much weirdness around that situation that at this point, do you even bother? I, I don't know what the Spurs do. I could see them even going the extreme with airing on the side of caution with him and whatever's going on there or him being declared out for the season at some point in the near future. Like, what if that happens? That would not surprise me if we see that report. And then... What happens if Denver gets a top four pick? Because they're only, a, I mean, top four seed. Because they're only a few games out right now, and I could see them sneaking in with Millsap come back because he is coming back. I think next week. So if he's back and this team is, they're firing on all cylinders offensively, and now getting him back to shore up that defense. Like, I'm really interested to see what the Nuggets look like with Millsap back because we haven't seen much of it, and I really like what I've seen with Murray and Harris and Jokic and. I think they're going to be really fun to watch down the stretch here. Yeah, I, I really enjoy watching them. I love uh, the Murray and Harris backcourt. Like, I, I know that Jokic is the guy that everybody is gaga over there, and he's really, really good. Like, it's deserved that everybody goes nuts over him, but I love their backcourt guys, like, way more. Not like I think they're better than him. I just, like, love the way those two guys fit together and fit with him, and I love watching the two of them. And I'm a big Will Barton guy, too. Um, I know he's not, like, the highest efficiency guy, and he takes a bunch of ridiculous shots because he's, like, the you know the backcourt bench captain kind of guy. Um, and sometimes he'll just, like, throw up a ridiculous prayer. Um, but Trey Lyles also, I think, has, um, you know, been a lot better this year than he was for Utah. Obviously, he's shooting threes now. Um, I think that... 40%. Yeah. Is that, like, 41 right now? Yeah. I mean, his emergence after Millsap went down, like, he played like 45 minutes total before Millsap got hurt or something like that. I don't remember the exact number. Uh, it was in the, the Nuggets piece that I wrote at the step back, uh, but he's played really well since then. Um, and I think that that's obviously that was, has been key for them. It's kept them alive. Um, and I think they nudged themselves back over 500 since Millsap was out with this recent stretch, I think they've won like six of their last seven before the break, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, yeah, they've been great. Yeah, they've been really good. They're really fun to watch. I don't know necessarily that I see them passing both OKC and Minnesota or San Antonio to grab themselves a top four seed. And I don't know that I would, you know, think they have a chance at all against Houston or Golden State in the second round. Um but yeah, I mean, I, I really enjoy watching them, and I, I think they could make a really interesting first round foil for one of those. Um, you know, if they stay in that three, four, five, six bracket, like I think them against San Antonio, Minnesota, or Oklahoma City would be a really fun series. Yeah, I, I think my favorite first round potential matchup for them would be um, San Antonio. I like the three six matchup for them because I, I don't. No, especially with what we've seen from Kawhi, like I think they'd have a good shot in that series. And a first round series win for them would be huge. 
not even just getting in the playoffs, but getting a first round series win with Jokic and Murray and Harris and Millsap would be be pretty cool. So yeah, I think they're fun. So people tune in league pass, watch the nuggets down the stretch. I promise they're fun, but also turn away when you get the Jokic Plumley lineups that Michael Malone will never go away from totally because they paid Plumley a lot of money. Yeah. I, uh, I like how he says it's because it's better for their defense. Uh-huh. And, and I like how he refuses to let people call him Mike Malone. Uh, he has to Is be Mike. Oh, yeah. You got to call him Michael Malone. It's not Mike. Mm. Interesting. I like it. He's sticking to his guns. He wants to be Michael. He's not Mike. Well, it's interesting because like, when he was an assistant, everybody called him Mike Malone. Um, and I, I, I guess when you're a head coach, you have more authority i think even in sacramento he was mike malone and then once he got to denver it was like no it's michael malone who knows who knows all right jared well this has been fun i'm glad we were able to do this uh kind of around the nba deep dive yeah me too thanks for having me while we're waiting yeah so don't forget we can read you at like you said step back espn cbs sports and um where else are you writing consistently right now I'm all over. Um, yeah. I'm at Step Back. I'm at Vice. I'm at uh, Dime. Uh, I just did something on the Rockets this week for the Ringer. Um, got maybe something else coming there in the future. Uh, we'll see how that works out. Um, I got the po- the uh, excuse me the podcast. That's not my job. Uh, I'm sure I'll turn up at like three or four more websites that I haven't realized yet at some point, just because that tends to happen. So. There you go. Do all that. Listen to the podcast. It's great. And read Jared's work because that's also very good too. So Jared, thank you so much. And uh, we will talk again soon, man. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Jared. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate it if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple podcast listener, Remember, you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com, where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often. And also follow me on Twitter at Chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at Facebook.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Uh, thank you for your support, and we'll be back another episode very soon. Thanks, guys. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.